In the beginning, the sun was Eloah. The son of El was both with El, and the son of El was Eloah. Shabbat Shalom from Under the Dome. Uh, my name is Noel, and I am uh, excited to be joined once again by my friends Rob and Michael. We are coming from two states this week, but from three different locations. I am back in my house in Charleston, South Carolina, and the whereabouts of uh, Charleston. Um, the uh, the low country, the old country, also mud flood city. And um, Rob is in the same location he has been every single week, which is down in the Tallahassee area. And Michael has been on a spiritual pilgrimage, uh, going to different locations around the motionless plain through the woods. I think he's on the beach. I saw video proof that he was walking along the beach today in the Pensacola area. And this is the first day, I need to point this out, because last week uh, for our first Revelation study, um, we were meeting on the unmentionable day, uh, the 25th of December, which happens to be, you know, line up with a special holiday for, for the winter solstice. And today is the first day of the Roman Gregorian calendar, uh, which Obviously, uh, I don't keep officially. Uh, I, I, I think we're still in the, the finishing up the ninth, the ninth month of the year, if I'm counting correctly. I think we're still three months away, three and a half months away from Passover. So we still have a little bit of time there. Um, all right. So we are going to be, um, this is, of course, the Diaspora of Yasharel, but you, Everyone watching probably knows that already, as we are now on the 14th chapter of John. And we're going to be cutting, cutting this in half tonight. We're going to be going back and forth between the Hebrew Gospel of Yochanan and then over to Hebrew Revelation to end the night. So um, let's just get dive right into that. All right, I'm going to be handing it over to Rob, and he's going to begin reading for us tonight. Okay, I am going to turn off my camera because I see there the house is full here, and so I don't want to uh, limit it, so I'm going to turn it off. All right, I will begin here with Yokanan chapter 14. I'm going to read verses 1 through 14, and then we will discuss that, and then Michael will finish the chapter after we uh, discuss that part and wrap up John. The second hour, we will go into Revelation chapter 3. All right, so verse 1. Let not your hearts become terrified. Believe in El and believe in me. In the house of my father are many dwelling places. Truly, I say to go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place, I will come again and bring you unto me. So that in the place where I am, there you may also be. And do, not, and do you not know the place where I am going, and the way you know? And Thomas said unto him, Adon, we do not know where you are going, and how do we know the way? Yeshua answered and said to him, 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. If you, by serving, know me, you know my Father. And from now and onward, you know him and see him. Then Philip said to him, Adon, show us the Father, and it will be sufficient. But Yeshua said to them, For how much of the time that I abode with you did you not know me? Philip, whosoever sees me, sees my Father. How do you say that I should show you the Father? Do you not believe that I am as the Father, and the Father is in me? The words which I speak, I do not speak from myself, but the Father abiding with me, he does the words. Do, not, do you not believe that I am he, and that the Father is in me? This is only done because of the works that you may believe. I say to you that, you that he who believes indeed the works which I do, he will do, and greater things than those he will do, because I am going to the Father. And that which you will ask the Father in my name, he will do it for you, in order that the Father may be exalted in the Son. If you ask something in my name, I will do it. And that wraps up this part, and we will hand it over to Michael for discussion, and then over to Noel, and then myself. Michael? Yes. Uh, Shabbat shalom, shalom everyone. Um, so I don't know what got on me, into me this week, but I have the most notes. We've been doing this for, what, seven or eight weeks? And tonight you'll, you'll hear me talking a lot. Um, but... Uh, I'm going to start with in John 14, uh, number two. So I'm going to read the Greek first. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to pre prepare a place for you. Um, so I was doing a Hebrew or a Greek word study. That same word for mansions is only found once, and it's actually in this chapter. Um, we'll get to it eventually, but I'm going to read it. Uh, it's 1423. Jesus answered and said to him, If a man love me, he will keep my words, and my Father will love him, and we will come unto him and make our abode with him. And that word abode is the same word used for mansions. Um, now I want to read the Hebrew. Um, in, the, in the Hebrew it says, In the house of my Father are many dwelling places. Truly I say to go to prepare a place for you. So... Strong's for dwelling places is Mishkan, which also means tabernacle. And that should ring a bell for, for some of you guys. Um, but I also want to show you, and again, we'll get to it, but for the sake of my point, Hebrew John 14.23 kind of changes it. Um, Yeshua answered him, If one loves me and keeps my words, my Father will love him, and to him they will come, and with them they will work. So Greek, Greek is mansions and abode. And Hebrew says dwelling places, and it doesn't even give a location. It just basically says they will work. So I thought that was interesting um, as far as the differences there. It's action. It's action in the Hebrew. Um, all right, the next thing is number seven. I'm going to re read both versions again. 
Um, if ye had not known me, you should have known my father also. And from henceforth you know him and have seen him. So that's the Greek in, in 14.7. And the Hebrew, if you, by serving, know me, you know my father. And from now and onward, you know him and see him. The Hebrew, it, it highlight, I want to highlight serving. If you, by serving, know me, you know my father. That's huge, guys. Um, serving others, that's, that's what Yeshua did. That's what we need to do. And I want to highlight uh, Luke twenty two twenty seven. For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But, my, but I am among you as the one who serves. And we'll get to it later in the Revelation study. But I just want to highlight that the serving part is how you know him in the Hebrew. That's huge, guys. We need to love our neighbors. And as Matthew 25 says, by serving our the brothers, we will, we're showing that we love, we love God. Um, and two left on this first part. Uh, number 10. I'm going to read both as well. So, believest thou not that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself, but the Father that dwelleth in me. He doeth the works. And now in the Hebrew, do you not believe that I am as the Father, and the Father is in me? The words which I speak, I do not speak for myself, but the Father abiding with me, he does the words. There's, there's a few differences. I'm only going to focus on the as. So in the Hebrew, it says, do you not believe that I am as the Father and the Father is in me? That's huge. You know, this could possibly help with the standard Trinity doctrine of, because in the Greek, it says, I am in the Father. But in the Hebrew, it says, I am as the Father. Um, and then finally, and then I'll hand it off to Noel here. Um, number 12, I'm going to read both again. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believeth on me, the works that I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And in the Hebrew, I say to you that he who believes, indeed, the works which I do, he will do. And the greater things than those he will do, because I am going to the Father. So I looked up the word indeed in Hebrew, and it could mean verily. So it's very similar in that aspect. Verily, verily, or I say to you, he who believes indeed could mean the same thing. But I wanted to highlight what is missing. Um, the believeth on me part. That's, that's interesting. So the Greek says, he that believeth on me, where the Hebrew says that he who believes. So it takes away the on me. I'm not sure what that means. I, I just wanted to highlight the difference. Maybe you guys in the chat or Nola Rob can comment on that. Um, that's all I got for the first part. I want to hand it off to Noel. And I'll be busy today, so don't worry about that. That was epic, Michael. And uh, so there's, the, I, I think what you were insinuating in here was that this comes across as a, a Trinity chapter, correct? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, I was thinking the same thing this week that it, just so everybody knows that I am not a Trinitarian, certainly not in the uh, Catholic term of the word. Um, I'm willing to. Um, come to a level of that the, the the father and the son are in perfect unity with each other uh, but they are not the same entity um, they are two separate persons but it does there, there's a lot in there I could there's some interesting passages in here for sure so here's what I was looking at in here this is this goes back to 
Okay, so I want to establish a case in this chapter that what, what we often see Yahushua doing is he speaks to his disciples, and we feel like that is directly speaking to us. And I'm not necessarily under that impression. I'm not under the impression just because he says something to his disciples that that is that is intended that you know we should take that same message. For example, all right. Now we're going to see some other practical, uh, another very practical example of this later on. But here we see in verse two, he says, uh, Yahushua says, "If I go to prepare the place, I will come again and bring you unto me." So that in the place where I am, there you may also be. All right. So he's not saying that uh, he's going to go to a future generation and bring them to him. He's saying this to his disciples in a very intimate setting. He's not speaking to the public here. He's in a very intimate setting. Uh, contextually, we saw in chapter thirteen that that uh, Simon Iscariot has already, you know, there was the dipping of the bread and eating it, and he got up and left. Uh, Satan like entered him, and he left, and he's getting ready to be betrayed. They haven't gone to the garden yet, and he's here, and he's saying, "Look, guys, I'm coming back for you." And when we look here at this. Uh, where he's bringing him in the place where he's at. He says, he says it in both versions in the Greek and the Hebrew says, and if I go to prepare the place, both of them say the use the word prepare. And when I, when I used to read that, I used to always think of that in terms of like, you know, Yahusha or it's a Jesus. He's like a carpenter. He's got like a tool belt and a hammer and he's up on the roof and he's like, you know, nailing, you know, you know, tiles down and he's getting ready for, for the big day when he reveals new Jerusalem to his disciples. But keep in mind, we've already gone through this, through the literature when Yahushua, when he dies, he goes down to Sheol and empties it out and takes them up to, um, to, to paradise. So again, if he's saying that I'm coming back to bring, bring you unto me, um, do they die first and just go up to him? That doesn't seem to be the context. The context is they haven't died and he's coming back for them. And I'm going to, you know, I could hammer this in, but every, every time I see Yahushua talking about his coming back, it is to those people. It's not to me. It's not to other generations. It's to those people. He's speaking to them saying, I'm coming back for you. All right. And here's the other thing about um, preparing is that my understanding of the Hebrew on this is that it means to establish. Like, I'm going to go and establish a place for you. So he's not necessarily building it, right? It's already been built. And I'm going to give a, I'm going to build a quick case on that. But it's almost like if you were to go to a wedding and you were to, you were invited to a wedding. Um, this is a great example for me because I used to be a wedding photographer. You're invited to a wedding and you accept the invitation and then you show up to the wedding and there is uh, some dinner plates set out and there's your name. And you're like, oh, they, they prepared a place for me. This is, this is so great. So first thing I want to do is read from Second Brook. And I am kicking myself now because I wrote down in my notes uh, Second Baruch. But I did not write down. Oh, okay, I know where it is. Um, let's see, BibleBot, what it's going to do here. Does uh, BibleBot have Second Baruch? Second Baruch, chapter four. Let's say one through six. No, it doesn't have it. Okay, all right. Let's read it from my suffer then. 
all right, so this is this context here is it's talking about New Jerusalem, uh, New Jerusalem in heaven. Now I've established this with this group before, but I think this is good for the study to go over it again. I'm going to read from chapter four. It's only six short verses, and it says, "And Yahuwah said unto me, This city shall be delivered up for a time." Now he's talking to Baruch about the physical city of Yerushalayim on the earth, that it's going to be delivered up to the Babylonians. And the people shall be chastened during a time that they're going into captivity, and the world will not be given over to oblivion. All right, settled. Do you think that this is the city of which I said on the palms of my hands, have I graven you? So now Yahuwah is saying, um, oh, that's so awesome. You got it up. Thank you. Um, so Yahuwah is saying, look, there's enough, like, this isn't the city I've been speaking about. Yeah, this Jerusalem is going to get destroyed, but that's not the Jerusalem I have in, in heaven. Let's read on. It is not this present building which has been constructed in your midst. It is, it is that which will be revealed with me and which was already prepared from the moment I decided to create the garden. So that's interesting. So um, here it was prepared at the moment that the Garden of Eden in uh, as we saw last week in the Revelation study, was um, it's in the third heaven. And I showed it to Adam before he sinned. So he showed Jerusalem to Adam. But when he transgressed the commandment, it was taken away from him as well as the garden. So he was in the garden. He was shown Jerusalem. He was able to enter Jerusalem. He could no longer enter Jerusalem. It sounds like he went a long time before he sinned. That uh, It was more than like just like a few hours. And after these things, I showed it to my servant Abraham in the night between the portions of the victims. That's interesting. And again, I also showed it to Moses on Mount Sinai when I showed him the pattern of the dwelling in all its vessels. And now behold, it is preserved with me as well as the garden. Now go and do as I command you. All right. Here's the second one I want to read through. Hebrews 11, 8 through 10. Come on, Bible bot. Yes. All right, this is what it says. By belief, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he was about to receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By belief, he sojourned in the land of promise as a stranger, dwelling in tents with Yitchak and Yaakov, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking for the city, having foundations, whose builder and maker is Elohim. Um, that's just a little fascinating footnote there, uh, that that Abraham recognized that the city of Jerusalem was in heaven. But my last passage I want to read from tonight comes from the very controversial book, The Writings of Abraham. Um, I probably shouldn't say that, but I just recognize that people always send me fan mail about how much they despise this book um, for whatever reason. But it's an amazing book. And this comes from chapter 100. Now pay attention to what's happening here because we've already seen that this place, which Yahusha is preparing for his disciples, um, for them to go to, that he's going to come back. I my conclusion is during their lifetime and take them there. Um, that we we already saw that Abraham looked for the city, but we saw that Adam physically saw it. Now here's what this is. Um, now Meshelzedek was a priest after this order, which is in the holy order of Elohim. Therefore, he obtained shalom in shalom and was called the prince of shalom. And his people wrought righteousness and obtained heaven, for they sought for the city of Enoch, which Elohim had before taken. Okay, so listen to this carefully. Separating it from the earth, having a reserved un it unto the latter days of the end of the world. So it says that this city was at one time 
on the earth and that it was taken up from the earth. And um, I did a whole study on this. Just my conclusion is that uh, this was not taken during, that it was actually on the earth before, uh, before Eden was made, that it was actually on the earth in the uh, pre-existing world before that. And it was taken up around the time the firmament was made. But anyways, that's just my little thing on that. Rob, I'm handing it back over to you. Okay, thank you, Noel. I am going to talk about uh, two pieces here, and then I'll 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 drop something to talk further on. Uh, one, I wanted to follow up with what Michael was saying on verse ten, where we have the words which I speak. I do not speak from myself, but the Father. I think this is another a huge point that. He does not conflict what the Torah has given, but supports it. And uh, over and over, we see this. I think like every chapter, we've seen examples of Yeshua stating uh, sentences like this. You know, these, these, these statements of he's, he's only doing the will of the Father. He does what the Father commands, etc., etc. I just, every time I see these, I just want to keep pointing them out because uh, as mainstream Mainstream uh, churchianity or Christianity will will teach that you know the commands have been done away with, but here we see it over and over and over. Well, do we ignore all of these? Okay, so also in verse seven, I want to comment on the serving. If you by serving know me, you know my Father. So we see that the, the Talmudim just overlook what he what he just said. Uh, and think in the physical by asking to see the Father. And, you know, Yeshua was talking about, by serving me, you know me. So you know the Father. And immediately they go to, oh, let me, let's see the Father. So they kind of just glare right over his statement. If, if you're serving him, then you know him and you know the Father. So we, we see that a lot in, in what the Talmudim say and, and also what the Pharisees are, are saying. They, they, they go to the literal speakings when Yeshua is talking and not digging into the, the, par, the parable sayings that he has and what he's referencing to. All right. And then I want to speak to, and I'll, I'll, let me drop this in here now. I'm going to speak to the way and the truth and the life uh, as we see here on. Um, six. So uh, let's see. On, on verse six, we see that Yeshua answered and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. We see in Proverbs 12, 28, uh, in the way of righteousness, there is life, and in the pathway, there is no death. So Proverbs remind you that in the way in the way of life there is no death in the way of righteousness so we, we just have to keep that in mind so when we're, when we're talking about the way the truth and the life yeshua is is tying in these these verses these sayings from the torah from the prophets etc and as as we look at them for the way and i'm going to quickly read through these for the way thus said and, and I have them posted here, uh, Isaiah 48, 17. Thus says, Yahweh, your Redeemer, the set-apart one of Israel, 
I am Yahweh, your Elohim, teaching you what is best, leading you by the way you should go. So here we have, we have Yahweh, Yahuwah, leading the way, Yahweh, for his people. And, and Yeshua is referencing himself as the way. So once again, he's tying himself in with obedience to the Father in fulfilling his commands. You will make known to me by you will make known to me the way of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures forever. That's Psalm sixteen eleven. And then I read Proverbs twelve twenty eight. The way of righteousness is life, and also Jeremiah seven twenty three. But this is what I commanded them, saying, Obey my voice, and I will be your Elohim, and you will be my people. And you shall walk entirely in the way which I command you, so that it may go well for you. So here we see the way. What is the way? The way is a righteous life. It is the, the righteous way. It is obedience. It is doing what he commands. And Yeshua is relating himself as the way. He's walking in obedience, and he's doing and fulfilling the commands. So, I mean, this is, this is just things that I think it's very somewhat easy to pull together when you bring these verses in to understand what he means by the way. He's the truth. The truth. In John 8.31 and in Psalms 33.4, then Yeshua said to the Yadim who believed in him, if you abide in my word, you will become my Talmudim in truth. Here, once again, imbibe, abide, you got to be doing his word. So in, in 1 John 1, 6 through 7, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and are not doing the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Yeshua HaMashiach, his son, cleanses us from all sins. So we see, once again, doing, doing the truth. And then in uh, 1 John 1, 8, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. You know, we need to reflect on that. It's repent. We got to recognize that we are with sin. And uh, another is John 17, 14 to 19, 18, 37. We see him talking about the truth here. I have given them your words, and your world has a report against them. I do not plead that you will take them from the world, but that you will keep them from evil. They are not of the world, as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into this world, so I send her in the world. And because of them, I sanctify myself in order that they may be sanctified in truth. Psalm 119, 160. All of your words are truth. Every one of your righteous ordinances endures forever. So we see the truth is the words, is the commands. They last forever. We must uh, be sanctified in those, in the truth. So we must be doing these uh, commands and the words that he has given. He's using all these action words of what we are doing to be in the truth, in doing the truth. And lastly, life. 
So in Job 12, 9 through 10, who among all of these does not know the hand of Yahuwah has done this? In whose hand is the life of all that live and the breath of all mankind. So we see in the hand of Yah is life. And 1 John 5, 12, the one who has the Son has the life. The one who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. Proverbs 10, 16, the wages of the righteous is life. Proverbs 12, 28, the way of righteousness there is life. And we have Wisdom of Solomon 8, 7, Sirach 4, 11 through 13. And if a man loves righteousness, the fruits of wisdom's labor are virtues. For she teaches soberness and understanding, righteousness and courage. And there is nothing in life for men more profitable than these. So life is righteousness, uh, the virtues. You know, when you tie in the actions that we are living for him, if we love him, we will do his command. So we're, we're tying in the, the righteous actions that we are doing that please him, these virtues, this righteousness, that is, uh, that is us showing the life. As we know, we are, we are living now in the mortal life by living as eternal by walking in the virtues and the righteousness, etc. So we're practicing it now, we're doing it now, so that we are can show that we love him. So I wanted to bring that together on the way, the truth, and the life with these verses that tie that in, and I hope that is helpful uh, for others and that others can share this with their loved ones. So with that, I am done on these 14 verses for this chapter over to michael uh no do you have anything else or should i finish this out with john um i just have to say that was really awesome guys i really enjoyed that so i i think there's probably other things i could touch on but why don't you just go ahead and read the next section all righty let's get let's get going here um we're gonna start with number 15 and this is a big one so if you love me you will keep my commandments, and I will pray unto the Father, and he will give you another Ruach HaKodesh, that he may abide with you forever. The Ruach of truth, which the world is not able to receive because it does not see him and does not know him, but you do know him because he is in you now, and he will be in you. I will not leave you as fatherless ones. I will come unto you again. Get a little, and you will not see me anymore, but you will see me alive, and you will live. In that day you will know that I am as my Father, and you in me, and I in you. He who keeps my commandments is he who loves me, and whosoever loves me will be loved by, of my Father, and I will love him, and will, will reveal myself to him. Then Yehuda said to him, Not the ish keret, but another gentleman, What thing is being done, that because of us you will reveal yourself to us, but not to the world? Yeshua answered him, If one loves me and keeps my words, my Father will love him. And to him they will come, and with him they will work. Whosoever does not love me, will he establish my words? And the word which you heard is not mine, but is from my Father who sent me. These things have I said while I stayed with you. But the teacher, who is called Ruach HaKodesh, he whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all this, even everything which I have said to you. Shalom I leave for you, my shalom I give to you. I do not give it to you in the way which the world gives it. 
Do not fear and do not let your heart be terrified. Heard that I said, I will go away and I will come unto you. If you love me, truly you will shout for joy, because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And I have revealed this to you now, before the work, so that after the work you may believe. From now I will not speak many things with you, because the prince of this world has already come, and he has nothing in me. But in order that the world may know that I love the Father, he gave his commandment to me, and so do I. Stand up and let us go hence. Let's, let's head up to Noel for a commentary. So, as you said, Michael, this, you know, the big one here really is in verse uh, 15. And in the Greek, it says this, if you love me, keep my commandments. Now, that, that seems pretty straightforward. If you love me, keep my commandments. But it, it's amazing how just a little bit of wording really changes the emphasis on this. And, it, and he says in the Hebrew, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So here, it's not even a suggestion. It's like. You know, if you love, I mean, and I, I think all of us here are smart enough not to read, if you love me, keep my commands. That's suggestive. But I mean, this is just fact of the matter that um, <laughs> throughout, the, for, throughout the church, it is suggestive. I mean, we've talked to enough of them to say, no, 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 that's, that's not, that's not, that, that's not how we define love. You know, we, we love him and, you know, whatever. He, he just loves us for who we are, right? But he's like, no, like, you will keep my commandments. Like, if you don't keep my commandments, then you don't love me. And, you know, this. we can just go on example after example here. Rob already beautifully addressed this, and I don't think I could really add to anything Rob has already said. But let's just go through a few. Uh, I was trying to keep track of everything he said in my notes, and I've been, like, trying to cross things out. So hopefully I don't uh, repeat anything he already said. But take Psalm 119, for example. Now, of course... The, the, the writers of the psalmist, the psalms, I have pointed out many times in the past, they would be thrown to the curb at any church because they would be uh, heretics for, for their love of Torah. Uh, these guys love the Torah. Um, and in fact, Yahusha, what was it in the, was it two weeks ago where we read that he actually equated, it was like two or three weeks ago, he equated the psalms to Torah. I don't know if we really... Um, dug into that enough to really wrestle with like what what is he what's all the insinuation and the suggestions here but psalm 119 the torah is used 24 times to describe quote the man after elohim's own heart so if we are a man after the father's heart then we do torah um Proverbs 28.4. Let me drop this into... I, I obviously wasn't going to read through all of Psalm 119, guys, but um, I was going to be merciful on you guys tonight. But Proverbs 28.4, what does it say? Those who forsake the Torah praise the wrong. Ouch. Those who guard the Torah strive with them. So here we see that there's a, a line between righteousness and evil, and it is Torah. If you want to, uh, if you want to praise the wrong things to do in life, then forsake Torah. All right. Um, here's another one. You guys are all fam familiar with this one. Proverbs twenty-eight nine. He who turns away his ear from hearing the Torah, even his prayer is an abomination, and that's. Ooh, that's a tough one. I mean, there's you talk about cognitive dissonance. That is, you you bring that to people in the Christian church in other congregations, and 
you know, when you get it, especially in the touchy-feely denominations, like uh, the charismatic churches and that kind of stuff, where it's all, you know, proof of their salvation is the fact that they experience a flow of energy and emotion, and they say that's the spirit and this kind of stuff. Like, none of this matters because, you know, they see miracles and all these things happening and, and stuff like that. But it's like, no, guys, no. Like, you turn away from obeying the father's commands then your prayer is an abomination um here we see oh here's a great one uh, isaiah chapter 2 i'm not going to put bible bot for the entire chapter but the law of the millennial kingdom anyone will see if they read is isaiah chapter 2 is torah torah continues as we're doing these studies on the millennial kingdom and people are, are coming in streaming in some people are getting really upset because i'm saying that uh, the Torah was not done away with, and and the rebellion, the reason why the Millennial Kingdom is not here, guys, to this day, is because people rebelled against Torah. Like, that's the <laughs> that's the elephant in the room. Um, here we see, uh, let me put up Isaiah. If people had obeyed Torah, then it would have all been good. Isaiah 66, chapter, uh, verse 23. And it shall be that from new moon to new moon, and from Sabbath to Sabbath, um, all flesh shall come to worship before me. And so here we see Torah is eternal. And here's another one. Deuteronomy 33 verses 2 through 4. And he said, uh, Yahuwah came from Sinai and rose from Seir for them. He shone forth from Mount Paran and came with ten thousands of set-apart ones. At his right hand, a law of fire for them. Indeed, he loves the peoples. All his set-apart ones are in your hand. And they, they sat down at your feet, receiving your words. Uh, and here's, here's, the, here's the, the kicker right here. Moshe commanded us a Torah, an inheritance of the assembly of Yaakov. So we see that Torah is our inheritance. And um, Rob already did a great job of touching on this, but I'm going to repeat it anyways. I'm not sure he actually said this passage. This comes from Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 15 through 16. Oops, I did verses 15 through 15. Let me try that one more time. Sorry. Uh, 30, verses 15 through 16. Boom. See, I have set before you today life and good, and death, and evil. And that I am commanding you today to love your Elohim, to walk in his ways, and to guard his commands, and his laws, and his right rulings, and you shall live and increase. Yahuwah your Elohim shall bless you in the land which you go to possess. So, you know, <laughs> Yahushua, like, at, at the Last Supper, he's just commanding the exact same things that Moses commanded, and the prophets commanded. And it, it's just, it's it's mind numbing that people read and i have to give people grace because i spent the first 35 36 37 however many years of my life reading the bible and totally missing these commands that we're supposed to obey and that's coming from moses and so you know it really does come to yahuwah opening our eyes obviously but um there it is so rob i'm turning it back over to you okay uh, I'm going to touch on a few things, and then I'm going to hammer home that point with, uh, if you love me, you will keep my commands. Uh, so I'm going to start, uh, touch on, like, verse 18. 
I will not leave you father as fatherless ones. Here he goes again talking about the orphans. And, you know, the father cares for the orphans. I know we talked about this. I know Michael did uh, in our earlier chapters. And there, the orphans are definitely ones of on the father's hearts for he wants us all to be in a family and broken families and and uh, uh, fatherless children etc uh, is just not what our lives were intended for so there's definitely a, a spot for him on that and making this comment so i love it uh 26 the ruach is a teacher uh 30 we've got what I wanted to speak on is the prince of this world has already come or is come already or is coming already. That's another time marker. And I, I hope Michael's got something to add to that, but I didn't go deep on that, but I just know it's a time marker. So it's something that we, we should look at on what that means when we're looking at the Millennial Kingdom, the 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 actions of the enemy, etc. But that's that's another one that should be looked at deeper. And uh, thirty one once again, Yeshua <laughs> doing the Father's commands. Here he says, uh, "He gave his commands to me, so I do." <laughs> so I just want to hammer that. Okay, and I'm gonna go back to verses fifteen, sixteen, and seventeen, and let me share on verses. 16 and 17, and I'll drop that in there. And what I'm going to read here is on the top part is the verse, the two verses, and then I highlighted below it uh, to give a better understanding. And I, I, I worked through this actually, these verses with Ronit and looking at the Hebrew. So I, I wanted to speak to this part here. I'll read the middle part. And I will pray unto the Father, and he will give you another Ruach, holy, for he will safeguard you forever, Ruach of truth, which the world is not able to take from you because it does not see it and does not know it, but you do recognize it because it is in you now, and it will continue to be in you. So. What I did here is with the color coding is to show you who's speaking in each one of these uh, each one of these parts, so that you can you can see this. Where looking at it, the Father He will give you another ruach that is holy, this this uh, spirit of holiness. For He, the Father, will safeguard you forever, as we know. The Father will always safeguard us as children, and this ruach of truth He He's calling the spirit of truth. That that he's giving you this 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 spirit that's holy, because it's it's revealing it's from him, and the world cannot take it because it does not see it. So so I wanted to point that out regarding this this spirit or the ruach of holiness. And as I was talking with Ronit, she pointed out, and 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 we're, we were talking about uh, David, where back when. Uh, David did the, uh, you know, when Nate, the prophet Nathan came out and more or less was telling him the story about the, the sheep where, you know, there was a, there was a, a farmer that had one sheep. It was, his, it was, it was his everything. And then another one had 
I, I can't remember the, the exact details of the story, but had a bunch. And the one that had a bunch coveted the one that had just one and ended up taking it. And David blew his stack off and was really upset with that, that person for doing it. And then Nathan says, well, that was you. And, and then David's eyes were opened at that point and realized what he had done with uh, his new wife uh, and that, that whole deal. So he writes here in Psalms 51, 10 through 12, Create me a clean heart, O Elohim, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your spirit that's holy from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and sustain me with a willing spirit. So we see here in, in the, the, the Psalms, the Old Testament, that this spirit of holiness is mentioned. And David's speaking to the Father, asking him not to take this, this spirit of holiness that he has and that he's, he's realized he made this mistake uh, in what he's done. So he's asking, create me a, a clean heart. Renew the steadfast spirit within me. So I just wanted to tie that together in, in, the, in this, these two verses and what it's saying and how it's... How, how, at least what I think that uh, Yeshua is referencing here in making this, this statement. And then lastly, I will share one more, and this is going to be on verse 15. <clears throat> I'm going to read this because this one is, I think, is very key for everyone. And Noah was, was hitting all around this uh, with what you just said. And, and this is all about love. Love is keeping his commandments. Uh, we read, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. So I'm going to read some verses here quickly. And as you see on this, the color-coded uh, uh, picture here, so you can kind of follow along what's being said here. Uh, I won't necessarily read, well, yeah, I'll, I'll say the verses. First uh, John 2, 3 through 6. By this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him the love of Yahweh has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. By this we know we are in him. The one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. 1 John 5, 3-4, For this is the love of Yah, that we guard his commandments, and his commandments are not heavy. Whoever is born of Yahweh overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, our fidelity. And fidelity is G4102, that's faithfulness. I know versions will say our belief. It's the faithfulness. It's a careful and exact observance of duty or performance of obligation. That's the word. John 14, 15. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. That's what we're reading here. John 15, 10. If you guard my commandments, you shall stay in my love, even as I have guarded my Father's commands and stay in his love. John 15, 12. This is my command, that you love one another as I have loved you. 1 John 3.23, and this is his command, that we should believe in, his, in, in, in the name of his Son, Yeshua, 
Messiah, and love one another as he gave us command. 1 John 3.22, and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we guard his commands and do what is pleasing in his sight. John 9.31, and we know that Yahweh does not hear sinners. But if any man be a worshiper of Yah and does his will, him he hears. And our favorite one, Revelation 14, 12, here is the endurance of the set-apart ones. Here are those keeping the commands of Yahweh and the fidelity of Yahusha. So I wanted to share that. That's just that just really hammers on this keeping of the commandments. And this this isn't our salvation. This is because we love him. So I just wanted to emphasize that and share that. And thank you for letting me say that. And I am now done with this, the rest of the chapter on that, and I'll pass it over to Michael. Alrighty. Um yeah, I don't have any props, nothing like that. Um, that's good, though. Good stuff. Um, a, lot of, a lot of what I was going to say has been said, so I'll do some high overviews and then give you some some new material here. Um, I'm going to start on 15. Um, if you love me, keep my commands. In the Hebrew, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And Noel, Noel emphasized that, that you will part. I want to talk about that this would... This is more so, I would say, for the once saved, always saved people, that um, it's more important for them to know that, that you will. Um, because most Christians would say, oh, yeah, we keep the commands. It's just they di- they don't understand which commands. Um, you know, they, they, they say the ordinances and the Jewish feasts and so It's because they don't understand that they're Israel. They're grafted into Israel. Um, this is saying you will. If you love me, you will do this. Um, yeah. So that's, I mean, that's pretty blatant. Um, I I agree with what Noel said on that one. Uh, Number 16, I'm going to read both again. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. And I will pray unto the Father in Hebrew, and he will give you another Ruach HaKadosh, that he may be able, he may abide with you forever. So I'm not going to speak on the the feminine and the masculine. I I was hoping Rob would do that, so I didn't have to do that. But um, it removed comforter, both times in this chapter. And I thought that was really interesting. I love that part of the motherly comforter. And it, for whatever reason, the Hebrew removed it both times. And this one, it says another Ruach HaKadosh. And then in 26, it says it's a teacher, which it is. But for me, I didn't, you know, as someone who did a whole deep study on this one, I I love the the comforter aspect of it. But uh, let's assume the Greek is correct. And I want to read it again. Wisdom of Solomon 8.9. This is wisdom. Therefore, I purpose to take her wisdom to me, to live with me, knowing that she would be a counselor of good things and a comfort in cares and grief. Um, so I just wanted to, again, make that, that known that there is a difference between the Hebrew and the Greek. Comforters removed um, twice. Um, the next thing, Rob spoke on this, uh, number 18. I will not leave you comfortless, but I will come to you. And in the Hebrew, I will not leave you as fatherless ones. I will come unto you again. So the Greek just loves the word comfort, and the Hebrew omits it. Um, but it does say fatherless ones. And as Rob was saying, we do love um, 
talking about the you know the fatherless and the orphans yahuwah loves he wants israel to take care of them it's because we're breaking the family unit and that's that's why it's it's that's how he designed it and if one of them is missing we israel needs to repair that hole um, i just want to read deuteronomy 31 6 be strong and courageous do not be afraid or in dread of them for the lord your god is the one who is going with you he will not desert you or abandon you um, I remember during the Holy Family study, you know, we, we we went over a bunch of orphan, you know, that Yeshua won't leave us orphans um, and that we were grafted into that family. But I thought that one was good, too. Um, number 20, again, I just want to point out, like I did in the previous first half, that it says in the Hebrew, in that day you will know that I am as my father and you and me and I and you. Again, I just want to point out the as part that it could help with the standard Trinity doctrine, where they would say in. Um, to me, that's a big difference. Um, just two left, number 21. I'm going to read the Hebrew. He who keeps my commandments is he who loves me, and whosoever loves me will be loved of my Father, and I will love him and reveal myself to him. Um, I want to read. Actually, no, Rob read this, but I guess I can read it again. First John 2, 3. By this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commands. The one who says, I have come to know him, and does not keep his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whosoever follows his words, in him the love of God has truly been perfected. By this we know that we are in him. The one who says that he remains in him ought, himself also walk as he walked. As someone who didn't really grow up in the church and got into this Torah, Logically, I'm a logical person, numbers-based. It just doesn't make sense why they fight this, why they fight not wanting to obey. You know, most people in this chat would say Paul is the reason, and it's very possible that's the main reason. They're using Paul. Uh, but as someone who, who didn't grow up in this faith and didn't have much to overcome as far as doctrine, it's for me, it's logical that you would want to follow him. And you... Whether you agree with all the commandments you need to follow, you should want to research that. You should at least be have a fear of Yah to be like, maybe I maybe I, I should look into this, you know. There's no fear of Yah, in my opinion. Um, and finally, number 24 in the Hebrew, Whosoever does not love me, will he establish my words? And the word which you heard is not mine, but it's from the Father who sent me. And I'll just end this with a cross-reference. 1 Kings 6.12 this house that you have built, if you will walk in my covenant, and you will keep my judgments, and you will do all my commands, and you will walk in them, I shall establish my words with you, which I spoke to David your father. I just thought that was an awesome cross-reference. I did a word search for establish my words. This popped up, and it talks about the house that you have built. You will walk in my covenant. You will keep my judgments, and you do all my commands, and you will walk in them. So I'll end it there. But that's all I have for John. So I guess Noel can take it away. So let's just let's just sum up what's happening here. In the previous chapter, and I mentioned this earlier tonight, in the previous chapter we see uh, Yehuda Iscariot, or Judas Iscariot, he has betray betrayed Messiah. He's on his way to betray him now. And Yehusha has just had his last meal, uh, the Passover meal of uh, perhaps, with his disciples. They're getting ready to go out to the garden, and he is going to be, he knows he is going to be 
tormented and crucified. And we saw in the previous chapter, and this is, of course, a continuation of that same conversation, where he's saying uh, he's deeply troubled in his spirit, in his ruach, and he's telling his disciples, I'm going away. And they're like, where are you going? Take us with you. We want to go where you're going. And he's like, you can't come where I'm going, but you know, you'll, you'll know how to get there, and I'm going to come back for you and take you there, you know, all that kind of stuff. So these are he knows these are the last words he's going to have with them. And I, that's what I really want to get at here, because when he goes to the garden, he wants them to stay awake and pray. But this is the last words he's ever going to really speak with them in this life before his resurrection. And so if we, we've been discussing, you know, was he with them one year or three years? I think Michael and I have come over to the position now that it seems like it really was a three-year ministry. I'm not sure where Rob is at. But if you, if you were teaching your disciples and preaching for three years, and this is it, you want to sum it all up. Like, he's summing it all up right here. Just as you see with Moses in Deuteronomy, when he's getting ready to die, and Deuteronomy is almost like one great big last speech um, before he goes off and dies. And you, know, you get up to Deuteronomy 30 into 31, 32, 33, and, which I read a couple passages in there. It's like, look, you, it's up to you to choose the blessing or the curse. You want to choose the blessing, then be obedient. If you want to choose the curse, then be disobedient. And he's essentially saying the same thing as Moses here. He's like, everything I've been telling you, it's summed up in this. If you love me, um, if you love my father, then just obey, you know, obey the father as I have obeyed him. And I think that's really what this, um, this all comes to. And uh, yeah, uh, I had a few other thoughts and now I just kind of lost them. But I think that's it. So... Rob, did you have anything else you wanted to add? Uh, nothing more to add, but I didn't know if either one of you had anything deeper on verse 30 with the prince of the world. Uh, that, that had interest in me. But uh, other than that, I think I covered everything and the and, and same. Um, I don't have any commentary on that. That's an interesting. And, and what Rob just brought up it says from now on i will not speak many things with you because the prince of this world has already come and he has nothing in me um yeah i mean he was the prince of this world i'm assuming if he's referring to hasatan he was literally just in the room with them uh, and he entered uh, judas iscariot so I don't know if that's the context or if something else is the context. If you remember right, that or, or his um, visit with the taking him doing the temptations after he was baptized. Go ahead, Michael. It, well, if you remember a few chapters ago, he was cast out. So what do you make of that in relation to this, this verse? Uh, refresh my memory on when he was cast out. Um, I think I remember I linked it to a, a chapter in Revelation. It was the same chapter, and Yeshua said, you know, the, that he was cast out, and we, we were trying to link it to the uh, Tartaria in uh, Revelation. If you remember that, Michael threw him out, kind of thing. Oh, okay, yeah, he threw. He was thrown out of heaven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I've got nothing, guys. Yeah, it was one of those sentences that's just thrown in there like this one here, but it, it could very well just be him commenting on the prince uh, of the world has already come. He's already, quote, tempted him, you know, in that aspect, and now he's going to uh, set up his murder next. Yeah, I think I, I would agree with you on that, Rob. I think that's the con it's the context here is that he he's already he's deeply troubled. I mean, if he was troubled in the last chapter, I would assume, you know, this is like conversationally, like five minutes later. I would assume that he's still troubled from five to ten minutes earlier and um Judas has just left and they're still confused and he's trying to uh you know, last uh, last time we saw where he said, Look, I'm telling you these things now because that way, when they happen to me tonight and tomorrow, uh, and then of course three days later, that you will then you know believe me, you know who I am and all that kind of stuff. And I think that's what he's just setting up. So yeah, yeah. And no, after we're done here with John, do we want to open up the floor for like let's say fifteen minutes and then and then close it for the next next part of Revelation? Or what? What's your thought? Um, let's, let's give it a few minutes. Um, I will, yeah, let's open it up because we're already at an hour mark and I want to make sure, cause I think we have a lot that we want to discuss in Revelation. So does anyone have anything here that they would like to comment on? Any observations that you've had? Yeah, I just dropped into the chat regarding verse 23. Um, it says to him, they will come. And in the Greek, it says, we will come. Did you guys catch that one? Oh, yeah. In the Greek, it says, and my father will love him, and we will come unto him. And then, yeah, in the Hebrew, it says, and if one loves me and keeps my words, my father will love him, and to him, they will come. And with him, they all they will work. Yeah, you know it's a it's a it's amazing. Uh, I'll let Rob and Michael comment on that, but I'll just say quickly that you know I read through this. I read read through this PDF, the spreadsheet that Rob comes up with and showing the differences. Like you know, a few times throughout the week and in my study and leading up to it, and there are so many little differences, and I just miss them all. I mean, it's amazing how many little. Um, differences are and as michael said good catch rob michael do you have anything on that uh i mean that, like like you just said it was a great catch and it insinuates that they are separate um because it's talk. it previously it's talking about the spirit and the father and then he's saying they he's not part of they so that, that's a real great catch rob you got anything uh no nothing further on that uh no well, yeah, great sharing, great sharing, guys. Rob, yes, you were really um, <laughs> bringing it. And again, the pointing that Hebrew shows action. It's it it really shows that um, it, it that that faith is doing, not just sitting there. It's it's a doing. You're going to follow him. Is your that and that's what the Hebrew really shows clearer. Like in that last one, not just abode, you'll you'll work. Yeah, you, you know, I want to comment on that is Mike, is that you know, Christians know they have to do something. They know they know they have to uh uh do think do right. They 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 know that. Intuit 
just just uh, from the teachings, they know they have to do good. The question comes is what define that good? And I recall back in the day that that was never truly defined. It was just uh, you know the, the preacher's teachings for that week and and doing these these good noble things, etc. And they would bring up verses and, and mention things, but nothing was clear enough to say. You know, the Torah outlines us. We just need to follow these these simple guidelines. It's he says it's not heavy. It's not heavy to do. We follow these and we and we do them because we love him. So it's just a matter, I think, them really ad, getting to a point to be able to admit that because they know they have to do something. They know they have to be good, but they just don't they don't officially define that. And Rob, let me add to that. Let me add to that, Rob. There's there's, as I see it, there's two types of Christians. Um, you know, and there's extremes. You know, on a one to ten scale on both ends. Before I give what those two types are, let me just say, a couple weeks ago, I was sitting down working, and I was in a public place, and there was a guy next to me. He seemed like a really nice guy. He was uh, on a YouTube live show on his computer, and it was a kind of a roundtable discussion, kind of like what we're having now. And he was on video, and the discussion was. How do you define a Christian? Which is a really interesting topic. This guy was a very intellectual, smart, you know, evangelical Christian. He seemed like he had a passion and a love for the Most High. And they were all, I was listening in. I was, I was really intrigued. And I wanted to know, like, how do you, def what do you define this? And they were trying to, and they had a very difficult time defining how, how, you know what how one is obedient they all knew that they had to be obedient but to what and they they didn't know and the guy he's sitting there going well you know it says in the first john that we're supposed to be in the light and we're not to have any fellowship with darkness so if the people are in darkness we don't have fellowship with them but we need to be in the light and again i'm sitting there going i wanted to jump in behind like like photobomb his show and like come in behind him and be like but, you know, but how do you, guys, how do you define the light? What do you do to be in the light? What is the light, right? And, you know, that's the missing ingredient, Torah, right? So this goes into what I believe are the two types of Christians that I encounter and what we also see coming into our Discord page here at the Unexpected Cosmology. One is that people uh, who don't believe they have to do anything good and that doing good things is actually spitting on the cross and what they... Um, it's all about belief. You just believe that Jesus physically existed and that he died and rose again. That's, that's all you need. That's it. Don't go past that because now, now, you're, now you're being a workspace person, right? That, we have encountered that opposite extreme. They, they, they hate the law because they don't want to have to do good things. But then on the opposite extreme, you see Christians, and this is a huge chunk of them, all right? This is, this is who I believe I was and the world I grew up in is what Rob just said. That there are Christians who want to be obedient. They they truly love um, the Most High. They won't call him that. They'll call him God. They'll call him the Father. They truly love him, and they want to be obedient, but they don't know what to do. They don't know what the rules are. You know what what still exists. You know to, and. I, I said I've said this so many times. I said this on Zen Show a couple week a couple nights ago that. The, the, the unfortunate reality is that the church paradigm is set up full of controllers who are there to tell us 
not to do Torah. It's been done away with. And so as I'm reading the Bible, and I would read through chapters like this where he says, you know, obey my commands, be obedient to my father. I would, like Torah wasn't even in my mind, my thinking, because I'm like, well, that's been done away with. So what am I supposed to do? And I used to be so confused in my prayers. I would pray over and over again. I, I would say like, Father, I, I'm a sinner. I know I'm a sinner. You know, forgive me my sins. And I know that there are so many sins that I'm committing that I don't even know what they are and reveal them to me. I want to know so that I can repent of them. And, um, and so I think that that's the, the big thing that, uh, unfortunately, that there are so many controllers in the church, uh, gatekeepers, all sorts of things. And their job is to keep people from the truth and keep breathing into their ears and telling them, you know, that, you know, you know, if you, if you obey that, you're going to be works-based. And if you're you know, works-based. The truth is, is Yahusha and that chart that Rob um, showed up again, the way, the truth and the life and given the examples of what is, what is that is just fire. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I, I'm I'm sorry. I don't want to ramble. Is, is there anybody else who has anything before we move on to Revelation? I yeah, I have. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Okay, I have a couple of things. So, um, regarding the last topic, um, I think there is a huge confusion between the Torah, which has a very finite number of um, commandments. I, I believe six hundred and thirteen, right? to the gazillion, half million, one million laws and edicts that the sages, the, the rabbis added to the Torah. So, the, you know, when Yeshua came, he, he, he said several times, you know, I didn't come to abolish the Torah, but I definitely, I have a huge issue with all of the stuff that you rabbis added on top of the Torah. Um, so I think that nowadays uh, Christians get confused and when they think about laws and Torah, they, 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 uh, gr you know, they combine into it all of those gazillions laws that Yeshua was very, uh, upset with. Um, so I think that's just a thought. Um, another thing I wanted to go back to, um, uh, John um, verses 15 and 16. I, so as I was working on those two verses, I, um, I had two insights. Um, the first one is that um, Holy Spirit is actually not a, a correct uh, translation of Ruach HaKodesh. So Holy Spirit in Hebrew would be Ruach Kedosha, okay? Holy Spirit. But that's not what Ruach HaKodesh is. Ruach HaKodesh is the spirit of holiness. Those are, um, you know, we can probably do a whole discourse just on what it means. But um, so I just wanted to make sure that we understand that Ruach HaKodesh is spirit of holiness. And um, the second thing is I was kind of like getting excited about how come I haven't noticed it all those years. I started doing a, a research on Ruach HaKodesh and I found out that it, it's nowhere to be found in the Old Testament. Nowhere. Um, there is only one verse in Psalm 51, the one that Rob mentioned, and in that verse, 
um, King David is asking God to, um, to not to withdraw his spirit of holiness from him, from King David. That's it. That's it. The entire Bible, the Old Testament, there is no mention for Ruach HaKodesh. What is mentioned is Ruach HaElohim, which is the spirit of Yehovah Elohim. Um, so that's uh, so. Then I started investigating, and I and I found out that Ruach Hakodesh was a, a concept that was introduced by the rabbis um, during the um, Second Temple days. Um, so that I think that's also a very interesting uh, um, point to note. Um, that's it. That's what I had to share. Thank you for that. Uh, Michael, did you want to jump in and say something? Um, sure, yeah, just real quick. Just my opinion on it. Uh, it comes down to a few things. One is, and this is just my opinion, that it, it it comes down to thinking you're saved already, and that removes all fear-based, all, all the fear of the Father, and not running your race, and there's nothing you can do. And then the second thing is they don't believe they're Israel. They don't believe that. So they can say that you all grafted in, but, but, but they, they still hold on to the Gentile thought. And that's why they don't think they have to do any of those things that Israel did. And if once they realize that, then you go back on the Old Testament and he's speaking to the children of Israel, do these things. You know, I don't know. That's That's what I have to say about that. That's the reason why. But... All right, so on that note, let's go ahead and I'm going to be the referee and call it. It's 10.15, and the next chapter we're going to be hitting up Revelation, so we've got a lot of stuff to cover, and we just need to move on tonight. If anyone still has any thoughts on John, when we're done with Revelation, we can always return back to that again. So um, with that, let's get started with Revelation chapter 3. I'm going to pull it up right now.